Our second reading today also comes to us from 1 Kings. This time it's chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the ancestral houses of the Israelites before King Solomon in Jerusalem, to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. All the people of Israel assembled to King Solomon at the festival in the month of Ethanim, which is the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came, and the priests carried the ark. So they brought up the ark of the Lord, the tent of meeting, and all the holy vessels that were in the tent. The priests and the Levites brought them up. King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who had assembled before him were with him before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and oxen that they could not be counted or numbered. Then the priests brought the ark of the covenant of the Lord to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house, in the most holy place underneath the wing of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread out their wings over the place of the ark, so the cherubim made a covering above the ark and its poles. The poles were so long that the ends of the poles were seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from outside. They are there to this day. There was nothing in the ark except the two tablets of stone that Moses had placed there at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the Israelites. When they came out of the land of Egypt, and when the priests came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Then Solomon said, The Lord had said that he would dwell in thick darkness. I have built you an exalted house, a place for you to dwell in forever. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we've come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. Today we're continuing our journey through the history of the people of Israel. Each fall, the narrative lectionary takes us through the Old Testament to greater help us understand the people that came before us, the people that God entered into covenant with. Last week we talked about the prophet Samuel. And when Samuel was born, he was born into a time of judges, a time when Israel really resembled the wild, wild west. There were tribal factions warring with each other. Each tribe had its own judge, and there was no centralized government. Samuel changed all that. Samuel anointed the first king, Saul, and he anointed his replacement, David. Today's scripture takes place with the third king being on the throne, King Solomon. And Solomon is thought to have been a good king. Under Solomon, Israel grew in power and influence and might. 
It was a peaceful time and Solomon was known for his wisdom. Solomon was known for being David's son. But above all, Solomon was known for constructing the temple. When David was in power, David looked around at his palace and said, Lord, it is not fair that I live in this glorious palace and you live in a box. I will build a temple where we can worship you and glorify you. And God said, no. It is not time for that. It is not your duty to that. But the one that comes after you, your son Solomon, will build the temple. And so when Solomon is anointed, when Solomon takes the throne, he begins building the temple. And we cannot really comprehend just how huge the temple was, both physically but also in its place in Israel's history. The temple was several city blocks big. It was huge. It was over 20 stories high, which for us might not seem that big unless you're on the top looking down. But for the Israelites, that was huge. And the temple held a very important place in Israelites' history. It influenced how Israel worshipped and understood God up until Jesus' time and beyond. And Solomon set out to build this temple. It was his calling. He was fulfilling God's calling for his life. And in doing so, we see Solomon at his very best. But we have to understand that Solomon did not do this by himself. There's no way that one person could build a temple that spanned city blocks and was 20 stories high. He involved the the priests, he involved the Levites, he involved the tribal leaders, he involved architects, he involved manual labor. The scripture tells us that all the congregation of Israel was involved. It took all of Israel working together to build this temple. And I think that speaks to us today. I think that we, like Solomon, should seek to answer God's calling in our lives. I think when we hear God calling to us, as Samuel did last week, when we find God's purpose for us as Solomon does, that is when we are at our very best. That is when we are fulfilling the potential that God sees in us. But more than that, we need to all work together. We need to all do the things that we are good at together. Solomon used all the congregation of Israel to build a temple. And we don't have a temple to build. But we have to understand that for Israel, the temple was a visible, tangible sign of God's presence. So we have to ask ourselves, what is the visible, tangible sign of God's presence in our world today? It's the church. The body of Christ. And when I say the church, I don't mean this building. I don't mean the United Parish of Bowie. I don't mean the church like the temple was a building. But I mean the people. 
I mean you and I. When we gather together, when we answer God's calling in our lives, when we fulfill God's purpose for us, then we become a visible and tangible sign of God's presence to the community around us. When we have 60, 70 families or people coming through for trunk or treat, when we have 100, 150 people coming for the SMA walk, when we have people coming through art and music camp, when we have people seeing us walk through the neighborhood, seeing us work in North Carolina or at Christmas in April, They see God at work in the world. They see a visible and tangible sign of God's presence. And it takes all of us working together. It takes all of us at our very best. You guys know that I am a huge NFL fan. That that I uh, there's a time team you I like. You might have heard of it, the the Tennessee Titans. I haven't had any converts yet, but I'm working on it. Um, We need to start playing better if we're going to do it. But what's interesting about the NFL this season is that there is no team that is outstanding. There are 25 out of 32 teams that are either first place in their division or one game away. You've got your Clevelands and your San Francisco's that aren't doing really well, but almost every team is equal. And that's because there is not a team that does everything well. Where all parts are working together. A lot of people thought the New England Patriots would run away this year and be the Super Bowl contenders, but their record is four or three and two. Because they've got a great offense, their special teams are great, but their defense can't stop anybody. You have the Seattle Seahawks, who are usually a contender who are usually really well, they are 3-2. and two. They've lost almost as many games as they won because although their quarterback is great, their receivers are good, their offensive line can't do anything. You even have Tampa Bay that's lost two games because their kicker cannot make field goals and extra points. None of these teams have a complete team, have everyone working together. And in that way... The church is the same. The church needs everyone working together, everyone performing at their best to achieve its goal of being Christ's presence in the world and in the community around us. There's a joke about two men who are on a ship. And because it's a joke and it's a ship and a joke, you know the ship wrecks. And these two men find themselves stranded on a desert island, just the two of them. And the first man panics and he starts running around looking for a boat or something, some way to get off the island. He is terrified. He's screaming. He's just out of his mind. The second man looks at him, shakes his head, finds a nice shady tree, lays down in the sand for a nap. The first man runs up to him and goes, what are you doing? What, how can you be so calm? How are you? Are, we're going to die here. This is terrible first man says, relax. It's going to be okay. The first man says, how do you know it's going to be okay? We are stranded on a desert island. The first man says, well, next Sunday is Stewardship Sunday. I'm a big giver. 
The chair of our stewardship committee will definitely find me. We will be okay. (laughs) But stewardship is about more than survival. Stewardship is about thriving. And so often when we talk about stewardship, we talk about money, but stewardship is about so much more than that. I was so glad that Sue today talked about the sharing of ideas, the sharing of talents, the sharing of gifts, about some of the things that have worked and haven't worked in this church, but have all started because someone had a passion and a talent and they put that to work. They saw a need in our community and God called them to help to fulfill that need. God calls every one of us. And next week, we're going to ask you to fill out pledge cards and and to uh, talk about how much you're going to give financially. But I want you to think and pray about what you could give as far as your time, your talents, your skills, your thoughts, your dreams. I want you to think about where God is calling you, how God is calling you to fulfill your purpose. Let's be honest. If you don't, United Parish of Bowie will survive. But stewardship isn't about survival. It's about thriving. It's about being the visible, tangible presence of God in this community and in this world. And so I want you to think about where God is calling you. What God is calling you to give, not just financially, but time Talents, skills, dreams, thoughts, silent whispers like Samuel experienced. And see where God is calling you to plug into this church, to serve this community. And then this church won't just survive, but this church will thrive. This church will fulfill the potential that God sees in it. This church will be what God imagined when God called us together to be a congregation. Like Solomon, we are our best when we fulfill God's purpose for us. And just as the whole congregation of Israel came together to build the temple, it takes the whole congregation of the United Parashabui to come together and to be the presence of God in this community. Amen.